0: Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. I'd like to begin the reading of Colossians today, but before I start, I want to just introduce the book briefly. Paul the Apostle was the author with some input from his spiritual son, Timothy, Timothy's mentioned in various places within the letter. This is another of Paul's so-called prison letters or prison epistles written while he was under house arrest in Rome. So Paul was not just incarcerated in Rome with nothing to do and no productivity. He wrote a number of the books of the Bible while under house arrest in Rome. So it didn't hinder him or it didn't hinder the gospel going forward, the fact that the Romans had him incarcerated. The approximate time of writing is between 60 and 62 AD. And this letter was written to address an assortment of wrong teaching and outright heresies. Some of the negative issues addressed include legalism, vain philosophy, the worship of angels, mysticism, and perhaps even an early form of Gnosticism. And this letter presents Jesus as preeminent and all sufficient in all things. This first chapter we're going to read today, verse 15 and following is some of the most important scripture in the New Testament concerning the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is all-sufficient. Christians are warned not to add meaningless or dangerous things to Jesus that sound spiritual but really have no meaning. There's an unusual feature to this church. Paul probably did not establish the church at Colossae. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul writes, "...since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus..." meaning that someone had told him about them. And then in verse 7, it says, As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. So this Epaphras may have started the church or perhaps someone else, but it's a pretty good bet that Paul himself did not start the church at Colossae, even though he's writing to them and has become a spiritual father to them. Now, reading Colossians chapter 1, Paul an Apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all of the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard about it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave to me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Paul is extremely God-centric in all of his writings. In the first few verses, in verse 1, he mentions Christ Jesus by the will of God. Verse 2, to God's holy people in Christ also to you from God, our Father. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, your God's people, etc., etc., etc. et cetera. Everything's about Jesus. Everything's about God. Yes, Paul mentions himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and he mentions Timothy. But he's writing to God's holy people, and he's continually pointing them to Christ and to God, our Father. Friends, all pastors, all ministers of the gospel, all preachers, all believers should be doing likewise. Inasmuch as I point you to myself or others point you to themselves, we're doing the Lord a disservice. We're supposed to be little mile markers pointing the way to Jesus, to all mankind. And Paul consistently does that through his apostolic introduction and through his letters. In verse 3, we read, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. And so this love that they have for God's people has inspired Paul to consistently pray for this Colossian church. He goes on to say that their faith and their love spring from the hope stored up for them in heaven, about which they've already heard. And this is the true gospel, friends. The true gospel is love and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's Christ-centric. It's centered on God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is all about God, and it's only by God's grace that the Colossian Church came into a relationship with the Lord. It's only by God's grace that you and I come into a relationship with the Lord. So to truly understand the purposes of God, we've got to apprehend the grace of God and realize that it's God's sovereign mercy. It's God's sovereign love that brought us into this saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say that he loves this church and prays for them. In verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And by extension, friends, Paul has been praying for me and praying for you. And what was Paul praying? What is Paul praying even now? The prayers of Paul are still spread out before the throne of heaven. And perhaps like Jesus, Paul is living continuously to make intercession for we who are still on the earth. But Paul writes, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. And so we need that, friends. We need the knowledge of his will. We need the wisdom and understanding that only comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And like Paul, I pray that the Lord would bestow that on us. Paul writes, so that we may live lives worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. And God, we need that. We need to live lives worthy of You, and we want to live lives that are pleasing to You. So God, grant us wisdom and understanding through Your Holy Spirit, so that we might bear fruit in every good work, and we might grow in the knowledge of God. And as Paul said, we might be strengthened with all power according to Your glorious might, and we might have great endurance and patience. God, help us to joyfully give thanks to our Heavenly Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of His holy people. In the kingdom of light. Friends, in verse 15 and following, we get an image of Jesus as our Creator and as part of the Godhead. Verse 15, "...the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him were all things created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible." So, Jesus is the creator. Remember, John in the beginning was the word. He put Jesus right in the midst of the creation narrative in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In him, all things have been created, through him and for him. This is verse 16. Verse 17. He is before all things. In other words, he pre existed before creation. And in him, all things hold together. In other words, matter. The reason everything doesn't fly apart with all of the electrons and protons and so forth, whatever quarks and whatever little small pieces there are, it's because Jesus is holding them together. Jesus is holding the created order together until He returns and things are renewed in the fullness of His second coming. Verse 18, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He was raised from the dead, friends, as the first fruit and the proof that you and I will be ultimately raised from the dead. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Lord, we thank you for our preeminent Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, you have definitively declared him to be part of the Godhead. He is the image of you, our invisible Father. He's the firstborn over all creation. Through him, all things were created, and all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Expand our understanding by your grace and by your spirit of the majesty of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. And always...